Bye-bye. Uh, Henry, Enrique. Are you Hispanic? Yes, I am. Mexican-American. Man, I do not understand Hispanic at all. I just, <laughs> and I tell all my Hispanic. <laughs> what do you, you mean? Y'all go for years with this girl from Puerto Rico. There are two, mm-hmm. two girls in Puerto Rico. I, I couldn't get it. Is, is Hispanic a race or a language? <laughs> we don't I, even know, man. It's too confusing. <laughs> We're still confused. Whenever we fill out school applications, job applications, they're, they're always asking us, are you Hispanic? Well, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, yes, I am. I speak Spanish. Family speaks Spanish, yes. But then the next question says, what race are you? And they say, white, black, Eskimo, Native American, Pacificer, and that's about it. And I'm like, well, am I white? Am I black? I'm not Pacificer. Am I Native American? I'm like, so I'm like, I guess I'm white. I don't know. What do you expect me to do? I got to pick one. So a lot of times it's like, we're like, what, what are you talking about? Hispanic? Why? Like, I don't know. It's confusing. I think we're still, one I think my, other countries don't do that. I think it's an American thing that we're fixed on um, classifying people so much like by, by that. I think Hispanic just means Spanish speaking. That's, that's, you know, that's the best answer. Uh, do you know, uh, what's his name? You know, Esteban? I don't think so. Um, I know TikTok and, and YouTube, Catholic social media is different planets. And it's funny how those crowds sort of don't mix a lot. Yeah. You like TikTok and I love it. I just <laughs> uploaded your TikTok. Did you see it on my channel yet? I'm not. I see the advertisements for your podcast. Yeah. Well, I got your one about the word of God not being above God. And I, yeah, the Bible not being above God, yeah. And that is a hot button, and I want to start right there. What in the world do you <laughs> mean? The Bible's the Bible ain't as big as God. What are you talking about? What do you well, mean? Well, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But that Word, sometimes Protestants try to say, well, see, the Bible is eternal. The Bible's always existed. But no, they're talking about the Logos. The intelligence, the plan, the rationality of God has always existed. And that's much bigger than just what's in that leather binding. Yes, um, sir. This is all the intelligence, the mind, the will of who God is. That has always existed. And that's uh, different than what the scriptures are. The scripture is called the word of God. But so was everything that Jesus spoke was the word of God. Everything that Elijah and Jeremiah and the prophets were speaking was the word of God. Uh, what the apostles taught was the word of God. You know, so... Uh, and Jesus, of course, is the Word of God. But many things that Jesus said are not recorded in Scripture, as John, the Gospel of John tells us. And those words that he spoke that aren't recorded were the Word of God. So there's words of God outside of the Bible. And God is a lot bigger than what the Bible can contain. And the Word of God is a lot bigger than what the Bible can contain. The Bible is the Word of God, but the Word of God is not only contained there. It's He's eternal. He's infinite. It's much bigger. I agree with you 100%, and you articulated it the way I wish I could without jacking it up and becoming a <laughs> It's like the uh, trend, um, Father Bain down here, he said, anytime you go beyond, what do you say, 30 seconds, defining yeah. Trinity, you cross over in the heresy. Yeah, yeah. But well, I agree uh, with you. Well, hold on. Um, so I don't know who's going to watch this later. Is it being recorded for YouTube? Oh, yeah, this will be can I, can I just, all right. Can we just do a quick introduction? Yeah. Okay. All right. So my name is Enrique. I'm a, a travel nurse. Uh, 
I became Catholic in 2014. I was raised Spanish Baptist, and then I joined like a full gospel, Pentecostal, non-denominational kind of charismatic crowd because my mom kind of made us go that route. Uh, my mom had become Protestant the year before I was born. And uh, my dad tried to be Protestant, but he didn't like it. Um, he thought it was kind of anti-Hispanic, anti-Catholic. He didn't like them talking down on Mexicans and Catholics. Um, he just thought, it, you know, he tried to be Baptist, but he just couldn't. So he went back to being a nominal Catholic, but attending Mass. My mom was passionately charismatic, uh, passionately word of faith, uh, speaking in tongues, he, trying to get us healed, get laid hands on us and stuff. I was raised that way uh, with my mom. Uh, Anyways, but that's my background. I was trying to be a pastor in the Assemblies of God Church, studying to, to be a pastor before I converted to become Catholic, and that kind of ruined our plans. But we can unpack that later. But anyways, my name's Enrique. I'm currently a travel nurse, and I became Catholic in 2014 after being raised Protestant. I met John on YouTube uh, many years ago when I first started my YouTube channel, probably, probably around the year 2014, 2015. I started seeing Catholic for Rednecks on YouTube. And I love the title. I love that, you know, I believe that, you know, the Catholic Church needs to be explained in a kind of blue-collar way. You know, so many Americans kind of just gravitate to that simple blue-collar language, and it resonates with them, and they need to have things explained in that manner. Because, you know, Catholicism can sound very lofty, very foreign, very Italian, you know, very suit-and-tie, slick hair high philosophy, high education, and it doesn't, it's hard, sometimes people don't see it on the ground level, that it is a religion of the people. You know, yes, we have physics professors and doctors and astronomers, but we also have tons and tons of people who, you know, rice field workers and construction workers and laborers. When we go to mass, we have the educated next to the, you know, the, the landscapers. It's the church for all religions, all classes, all economic groups. It's a Catholic church, you know, so... I, I love that you're explaining it, though, and um, uh, yeah, so I, yeah, it's, it's just, it's, thank you for your channel. Thank you for your work. <laughs> I love it. I love meeting people, and, and believe it or not, a bunch of people will watch this before it's over with. Um, 2014, was that April 4th? Do you know? April? What do you mean? April the 4th, or you came in the 4th? Yeah, yeah, it was, um, I'm not, I think it was, I remember it was a, my wife. <laughs> My wife is crying. I'm sorry. I don't. She goes. She's not Catholic yet, but she's she, she's very faithful. And goes to mass, but uh, she was. Her birthday is April 18th, mm -hmm. and I think it was right around her birthday that I entered the church. So it must have been the middle of April, um, because it was like what a what a birthday present for her. She was. Uh, you got to understand. You know, her and I were going to be Assembly of God pastors together, and so being Catholic kind of hard on the marriage. We have hard to convert to become Catholic. We have a yeah. lot. And my brother, Assemblies of God, <laughs> were you going to go to the Southwestern Seminary? Southwestern Assemblies of God, yeah. I was attending their uh, online classes, um, uh, Master of Divinity, uh, or, or uh, maybe shortening it to Master of Theology. Uh, but yeah, I was taking about a few semesters down. And um, yeah, so, so we call it SAGU, Southwestern Assembly of God University in Waxahachie. Oxahatchee, Texas. Can you keep a secret? <laughs> sure. Well, I won't say a word. <laughs> I went to seminary and graduated with perfect grades, except for one class 
we had a reading assignment. Yeah. And one of the questions on the final was, did you read your required reading according to the timeline? Because they told us in school, do not read ahead. You're going to get these books mm-hmm. that you ain't going to, you ain't reading for them. You need to go in step. And they mm-hmm. were real adamant about that. Well, somehow I was one ahead in, in my reading. I wasn't trying to. I was mm-hmm. mixed up or whatever. And I was sitting there and I had a perfect academic record. Not a B in sight. And that's yeah. big for me. Okay, yeah. this, this boy barely got out of grammar school. and I, They put me, they pushed me through. Yeah. And um, so I, I, looking back, I almost wish I had lied. But I'm, I'm sitting there thinking all I got to do is check the right box. And I've got a perfect 4.0. Perfect. Yeah. I said, I can't do it. I'm here in seminary. And I'm going to lie. Mm-hmm. So I checked that I did not comply. It cost me half a grade. Mm-hmm. It dropped my perfect A in that class to a C, which mm-hmm. dropped me down to three point whatever. Man, but uh, did you ever remember Kenneth Hagin? Yeah, the Word of Faith, uh, mm-hmm. one of the founders. Mm-hmm. I don't think I watched him too much, but uh, I know just that circle, Oral Roberts, Kenneth Hagin. And, uh, did you go to Oral Roberts or did you go somewhere else? I worked for Oral Roberts. You did? Mm, I was his... Uh, I, you know, I was security for him for uh, in the 90s after his heyday. It wasn't when he was big time in the tent. I'd be 100 years old if that was. Yeah, <laughs> I worked all. I, I, I worked around Kenneth Hagen, Kenneth Copeland, George Meyer. Yeah. I, a lot of the big guns, I had I've been around them a lot because I I, I did security for the. What about Benny Hen? Benny, Benny Hen? You know, I, I never met Benny Hinn, but I've heard that he has recanted much of his teaching in the past year or so. Hmm. They said, it's wrong. It's wrong. He's flat out. So is Joyce Meyer. Hmm. I wonder which, which way they're leaning. What are they recanting? The teaching, the prosperity teaching, that God wants you rich. God always hmm. wants you well. They, they oh, come. I guess it dawned on them that it don't work unless yeah. you're preaching. I mean, it's easy to get rich preaching in that circle, in that camp. If you're charismatic, yeah. Good personality. In the world. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I did sometimes. One time I made so much money one night. You know, it was one day I heard a sermon and I re-preached it, right? I heard an Oral Roberts sermon from like the 40s. And I re-preached it. Yeah. And offering was so big, it scared me to death. Wow. It was massive. And I told myself, and I kind of did it as an experiment. I believed the message. I really believed it. I wasn't trying to rip anyone off. But I heard Oral preach this message in a tent. I had it on tape. So I said, I'm going to try this out, see if it works. Man, it worked. But it's easy to work when you got a crowd of pe- broke people that think if they give you their last 20, their last 50, that God's going to send the lottery the next day. Yeah. You know, that proved me now herewith, saith the Lord. 
If I were not open for you, the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't mm -hmm. even contain. They yeah. had some kind of pile offering. You've heard of that? I think so. You just go to the altar, lay it down, lay down a yeah, pile. I open up the Bible to Malachi 310 mm -hmm. and I think Luke 638 at the same time. I don't know how I did it. And I challenge everybody before God, before his word right now, if you need financial miracles, healing miracles, you bring your best offering to God lay it right here on his word, right in front of him, in front of God, in front of the devil and all your friends, and let's see what he does by tomorrow. Man, money poured all over that place. It was falling on the floor and <laughs> everywhere, and, and it was a massive offering, massive yeah. offering. And when I when they told me how much the offering was, I, I told I will never do that again because it scared me. Because you can get, you can make a lot of money preaching that. Yeah. And yeah. I believed it at that time. I believed it, but um, it worked, man. Because you know what happened, and I don't know if it was just God's mercy or or what, but do you know my phone blew up for like two or three weeks with praise reports people with every kind of financial miracle you ever heard of in your life. You know? Yeah. So I just kind of backed away from that. But your mother was into that. Still is. And um, caused a lot of, oh, a lot of tension. Um, it's uh, being Catholics really uh, caused some trouble in our relationship. Um, she's so, it's that word of faith thing where you can't be honest anymore. How are, how are you? How are you doing? Oh, it's wonderful! I'm so blessed. It's a, I'm so happy. Everything's wonderful. God's so good. I'm having the best time, and every, God arranges everything perfect for me. I'm like, really, mom? Really, really? What's really going on? And I hear, oh, oh, you fell down and tripped, and you hurt your head. That's, you didn't want to tell me about that because you know, like, like it's like I can't even. There's no honesty, you know. Like, what's going on? What's really happening in your life? Like, oh, I'm blessed. It's wonderful. And, it's just, uh, it's hard to, it's really puts a wall in a relationship when you can't deal, talk about what's really going on yeah. it's because you guys got to say the right words, you know, but you believe that you have to speak into existence, what you want your reality to be. Mm. Then you can no longer tell people, you know what? I'm going through a hard week. Mm. You know, I really, I, I've just really been struggling because you don't want to say those words because you don't want to create a reality where things aren't perfect. You know, so it's, it's not word of faith stuff. It's, it's dangerous. I feel like we could do a whole show on, just the dangers of that and the, the, the havoc it's wreaked in hearts and the way people have rejected Christianity because they were waiting for that to come true for them and it didn't come true. So they reject like, well, God must Christianity must not be true. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I don't know. Uh, for those of y'all who have read the Chronicles of Narnia, the last battle, seventh book, you know, there's, it's a beautiful analogy, uh, allegory that C.S. Lewis, he describes this, it's just a, a monkey and a donkey find a lion skin in the, in the river and they put the lion skin on top of the donkey and the monkey, who kind of represents the evil of humanity, has an idea. If we, you know, we can tell everybody that this donkey wrapped in a lion skin is God and we can pretty much get people to do whatever we want. You know? So the monkey's like, hey, you know, come see the lion in the tent, but it's really just a donkey. And, and the, the, the monkey's like, hey, the lion, you know, Aslan tells us, bring all the bananas, bring all the bananas, bring all your money, bring all your, and just starts manipulating people with a false God, you know, dressing up a donkey like Aslan the lion, like Jesus. 
And eventually people get so broken, like, man, if that's the way Jesus is, manipulative and selfish, God must be fake, and they turn away from God. That's what's happening with this fake prosperity, word of faith, like all the heresies. It's like people experience it, like, man, if, if that's what God is, this, this uh, fake uh, gospel, and then, then you know what? God must not be real, and they just leave Christianity, they leave the faith. And anyways, I, even though maybe some people meant it as, to do good, I think it's hurt a lot of, a lot of uh, people's relationship with God uh, because it is like a fake gospel wrapped in the skin of Jesus. And a lot of people said, if that's what God is, uh, it must be fake. It's all fake. And that's what happened in that last battle book of C.S. Lewis. They're just like, you know what? If that's Jesus, if that's God, it's all must be fairy tales. I don't believe it anymore. And um, people rejected the faith in that book. It's a, a you know, it's a great book. Uh, the last battle, C.S. Lewis. Uh, yeah, but it's. Do you know um, Father John Paul at EWTN? Have you ever heard of him? I don't think I'm familiar with him. I've probably seen him, but not by They're name. Bald headed. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, but I, I know him, but um, I used to, I used to work with him, and he there's a gigantic church right next door to EWTN, it's charismatic church. Yeah. And it's got a, a lot of the word of faith, prosperity people that were in the prosperity church where it went under. That, that's where they're at. And Father John Paul, he told me, he said, they're on the last exit. The last exit after this, they'll be atheists. If they don't come back to, mm -hmm. to the true church, they'll lose their faith. And I, I, you just said the same thing. It shipwrecks people. It effed me up, brother. Yeah, same. I'm yeah. still effed up in my head. From I heard that. of some of your story. Like, you've gone through a lot of tragedy. You mentioned uh, the passing of two of your children. People that's, die. A, that's a lot to go through. People die over that message all the time. I hope they get the hell sued out of them eventually. Now, they have been sued, but uh Yeah. Yeah, I told I told my mom, I'm like, Mom, you do realize that Christ was Jesus was crucified in agonizing death, and all the apostles were tortured except for John. I mean, even John was tortured. He didn't he wasn't martyred, but they went through excruciating deaths. And you're telling me that my life is gonna be blessed and easy, and I'm never gonna have to work a day in my life because it's just gonna be like wonderful, God's gonna take care of everything, and my life's gonna be blessed and happy. And yet I, I watch the apostles' death. I see I read about the apostles' deaths. I said there's so many Christians being martyred and persecuted and beheaded all across the world. But you're telling me that my life is going to be easy and blessed because, you know, Jesus paid it all. Jesus did everything. He suffered so that I can be happy and blessed. I'm like, Mom, that sounds like Peter telling Jesus, you know, that you're not, you know, when Peter told Jesus, you're not going to die on the cross. God forbid, you know, forbid that you ever die on the cross. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, because you have the things of man on your mind, not the things of God. I'm like, Mom, that sounds like the gospel that this that you're preaching is, a, a gospel without the cross, that you're going to uh, have all the blessing. You're going to have the resurrection power, but never going to the grave with Jesus. And that sounds like a satanic message to me. You know, Jesus turned to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. Because Christianity means you pick up your cross, you follow Christ, you go where he went. It means you're going to, if you want that resurrection, you have to go to the grave. You have to suffer on the cross if you want to see the resurrection. And I, I see too many Christians preaching the resurrection and saying, you won't ever have to go through the cross because Jesus did it, so you don't ever have to carry your cross. And they, they, they reject the teachings of Christ where Jesus says, 
pick up your cross and follow me? Like, nope, nope. You picked up your cross, so I don't have to, Jesus. I don't have to. You know, they're like, well, I always tell people this, like, so, you know, this, this, this idea, this is getting into the, the, the once saved, always saved kind of altar call stuff, uh, faith alone. They're like, the people who say, like, all you need is faith alone is a different topic here. But it's like, you're telling me that you can look Jesus in the face and say, Jesus, I don't have to do anything you tell me to do. If you command me to do anything, I can look at Jesus in the face and say, no, Jesus, I don't have to do anything you tell me to do. I can tell you no to your face because I have faith that I am saved. And because of that, I can tell you no to anything you want because I have faith alone and anything you ask me to do is works. And if I do works, that's evil. So I'm going to tell you no to your face. All I got to do is believe and I'm good to go. And I can tell God no. You know, it's like, it's a twisting of <laughs> the gospel. Um, anyways, but I don't know. It is the one saved, always saved kind of faith alone message. That's another, another a messy uh, area of American Christianity that we grew up in, being in the Bible Belt in the South. And, it's American. Yeah. It's an American home. It's a, the, the Word of Faith, the Prosperity Gospel, is the capitalistic, um, the American dream wrapped up in about 18 scriptures out of context. And, uh, right, right. You know, I mean, it reminds me, you know, People say that there's only one homegrown American religion. They say it's the Mormon church, but they're not right. Um, You've heard of E.W. Kenyon? Yes. Isn't he like one of the founders of Word of Faith? Yeah, Mary Baker Eddy, Mm -hmm. Christian Science. That's where it come from. It didn't come from Jesus. It come from the pit of hell, and Mm -hmm. it's putting people in hell. I I don't believe in what saved, always saved, but... I hope I'm wrong. I hope they're right on that. I really do. I tell my Baptist brother all the time, I hope y'all are right about what saved, always saved. Because I'm a sinner. <laughs> I might not make it to the booth in time, you know. My clock's yeah. running out and I'm running to the confession booth. Yeah. So, um, but yeah. it gives you the license to do what you want. Yeah, and it gives you the license also. I see so many people who believe in once saved, always saved are so quick to condemn, say, you got to get saved, and they they quickly label others like, well, this person's not saved, and they're not saved, and Catholics are not saved, and it's almost like they 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 are they know who's saved and who's not saved, you know. And it's like as Catholics, we're we're just hoping like we're not even sure if we're saved, you know. I know we're being saved. We we've been forgiven. We're hoping to be in God's grace. We hope we don't deny Christ. And like as Catholics, I think we should be we're very careful about even declaring that we're saved, much less declaring that we know who's not saved. You know, I'm not going to look at a Protestant and say, you're not saved. I'm like, I hope you're saved. I hope you make it. I hope I make it, you know, but I'm not going to kick back and say, well, thank God that I'm saved. I know that that person's not saved and they're not saved and they're definitely going to hell. And I know they're going to hell. I'm not the judge. I don't know. I'm just hoping that I make it. You know, I'm like, I hope I make it. And uh, by grace, God's grace. And yeah. Man, you're so right. You're so right. And, and, you know, you, you say another topic, but I just really believe God leads us what we're supposed to talk about. There's a lot of people, not only that are trapped in that now and, and fear, fear is what keeps them in, but what draws them in is control. Um, you're offering me control over my entire life that I can use my tongue as a rudder to guide this ship through my life of, of uh, on a lazy river ride, like Joel Austin. Joel Osteen is selling a lot, (laughs) 
HRT, man. And people yeah. gobbling it up, choking on it. Well, and besides Christianity, we also have like the book, The Secret, right? There's non-Christians understand it. They call it manifesting, mm-hmm. manifesting. It's not, a, it's not just the, this prosperity gospel. It's all across Americanism. Just say the right words, believe the right thing, and you will manifest your reality. You know, throw a little scripture over it. You got Joel Olstein, you got the Word of Faith movement, but it's not, it's just an American, this idea of the, the book came out called The Secret. And it's, a, it's a, kind of like a new age belief, you know. All of, the, all of your problems are just because of you're not speaking the right words and you're not believing the right thing. And if you just change your mind and say the right things, reality will just manifest around you. And, you know, Christians and non-Christians are buying into it. The universe will provide everything that you need if you'll cooperate with it. Mm-hmm. Just believe, say, believe the right thing, say the right thing, and watch. You're going to manifest your reality. Yeah, all like, those, those words, manifest reality. Mm-hmm. I read a book. You remember Charles Capps? You ever heard of him? No. That was his thing, the power of the tongue, the power, the creative power of God's word. He sold three million of those books yeah. um, before he died sick. Hey, you know, every one of those faith preachers die sick or an airplane crash or something. They don't die normal. You name one of them. There yeah. to be an old man who passed away like he preached he would. Name one. Can you name yeah. one? Because I know <laughs> these guys. Okay. We went and got their freaking medicine for them. Yeah. Okay. You know how many Walmart runs I have been on to world famous televangelists with sick people in their house? Yeah, yeah. Can you go to Walmart? Get us like, just like let me let me bring it down to like a personal story. This 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 is one of the the church hurts I had in my past. I was uh, the somebody's a god. I was kind of like not like you know doing youth ministry with a pastor in the church. And my daughter, this is one of the reasons I had to take a break from getting my master's degree. My daughter was three years about to be three. We found out she was deaf. She had something called auditory neuropathy where she couldn't hear. The doctors told us she needs to have surgery. She's about to leave the language window. If she's going to learn to talk, she needs to learn language when she's young. And so we can give her surgery to give her cochlear implants, you know, but we got to do it as as early as possible because the the language window is closing. And so we're like, okay, you know, is God going to heal her or should we go with the doctors and give her the surgeries? And uh, we had some friends, close family friends, close friends that came to us and they told me, like, they told me, you're her dad, you're her spiritual authority, and you know God's already healed her. Don't give her the surgeries. And the reason she can't hear is because you don't have enough faith. You're her spiritual authority. If you just have enough faith, she'll be able to hear. And pretty much saying that it's, it's my fault. My daughter is deaf, right? She, it's, it's, it's my faith. If I had enough faith with her dad, she could hear. And I remember um, his daughter at the time had a cast on her arm. She was about a 10-year-old. And I said, well, what about your daughter? Your daughter's got a cast on her arm. Why isn't she healed? You're her dad. And then the daughter, who is like 10 years old, looks at me and says, oh, oh, oh it's my fault. It's my fault that I, I haven't been healed because I've been, I really want a puppy. And I've been thinking about puppies too much. And I haven't been thinking about God enough. So it's my fault that my, my arm's not healed. I'm like, dang. Anyway, so we were getting phone calls, like anonymous phone calls on our, left on our voicemail saying, don't give her the surgery. She's healed. You know, and we're like, you know, I don't know. It just, it just sucked being a dad, being blamed that my daughter's deaf because it's my fault. And uh, yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's it's hurt. It's it's hurt. It's hurtful. There's, I know there's a lot of people out there that have heard the same exact thing. They're going through a hardship 
and then they get told, well, it's, it's your fault. You know, you just didn't have enough faith. It's pretty much the story of Job all over again, right? Job's, there he is, sad and suffering and going through a hard time, and his friends show up and just give him a bunch of BS. Well, you know, you must have sinned. It must be something you did wrong. You, know, you must have deserved this. And he says, God would never send any calamity. God would never do anything, allow anything bad to happen to you. If you were in God's good graces, you would be blessed and happy. You know, is this, <laughs> you know, the prosperity gospel has to wrestle with Job, you know? <laughs> oh, man, I was an expert in telling people how bad Job effed up everything. God, <laughs> man, is out there wouldn't whip his kids. You know, it says every one of the sons and daughters feasted on their day, had a mm -hmm. party. And the, the scripture says that Job offered sacrifice daily, for he said in his heart, my children may have sinned against these. Right? So the message was, and that's in the first two chapters, was that Job didn't keep his house in order. He let the devil in, kick his rear end, and kill his kids. It was his fault because instead of whipping their butts, like Proverbs mm. says, he let them party every day of the week, seven days a week. He yeah. out there running, doing confession for them instead of making <laughs> them, and that's why they got wiped out. That sounds like what it sounds like what one of Job's friends would have said. Sitting around that fire, exactly. <laughs> it was your fault. They did it's because, you, know, because they, you didn't discipline your kids. You deserved it. Beating him to death at the end there, and then God shows him and said, "None of y'all know what you're talking about. Shut yeah. up." And, but that is one of the beautiful things about Catholicism is that there is a theology of suffering. We don't avoid suffering. We we know that it's a part of our Christian walk. Uh, it's part of where we encounter God. We encounter Jesus in the suffering, and it's not we, we're not Catholicism, you know, which is the fullness of Christianity, doesn't just compartmentalize and say suffering. We don't want to talk about it. We're going to avoid it. Uh, we're going to just be smiley and happy, and and I'm blessed, brother. And we avoid talking about suffering. Uh, the Christian gospel embraces the suffering. The, the part of the, the human condition that we suffer. This world is full of suffering and Christ wasn't, Christ went into the suffering and we encounter Christ in the suffering. Uh, Christ himself says, my God, my, you know, why have you abandoned me? You know, God has experienced, you know, so many of us as humans are going to feel the same exact way as that moment in Christ's life. when he says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? There's going to be times when, when we're going to be, in that same place, where are you, God? And why have you abandoned me? You know, but God has gone. Jesus has gone before us. You know, we—he's there with—he's there in that place. That when we are at the lowest place, feeling abandoned, Christ was there too. You know, it's like we can—we're not alone. We're not alone in our desperation of being humans and going through this crazy stuff. And um, there's there's nothing that we can go through that, you know, Christ is there. In the suffering—it's the theology of suffering, very important. You nailed it, man. If somebody was to ask me right now, after I've been Catholic officially, I, I came in right, at, right after you I started in 2013. But the way RCIA was, you had, by, by the time Labor Day got there, it's too late yeah. for me. No, yeah, I had to wait till Labor Day. <laughs> so that's almost a year. And you, you went with your you went with your wife Connie to Nash Wednesday service or something like that. I, yeah. I, mean, I, listen, I listen to your testimony and you're like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> I just owed it to her, man, because she I drug her to every pit of hell, every cult, 
every storefront. I took her to Africa. I, I said, we can go see some real miracles, some amputees get healed, <laughs> people decapitated, getting their heads put back on, blind, all this. We didn't see a damn thing. We was out there in the jungle. <laughs> people ain't, man, we was out there, and we wasn't seeing none of that stuff. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What's this stuff at? <sighs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, this reminds me of something. Um, if you don't mind me, if you don't mind me cutting in for a moment. Okay, so as a new Christian, when I was 21, back when I was, uh, you know, kind of charismatic, I got, I got, got converted back to Christ at 21 in the non-denominational charismatic church. I was passionate for Jesus, right? And the pastor and the preaching, I was like, I want to do everything for Christ. But because it was non-denominational, there is very little direction and structure. So I'm like, I want, I. I I read about the apostles giving up everything and just going with Christ. So does that mean that I sell all my possessions and go to Africa and just go around preaching barefoot? Because that's what, that's what I kind of see in the, the apostles doing, you know? So should I take my wife and you know young child to Africa and just live on faith with no possessions? Is that the way I show my devotion? I want to be a good Christian. Does that mean, is that what I do? Just, just have my wife and daughter walk around barefoot homeless because that's honoring Jesus. And it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous because when we don't have any church structure and you just give someone the Bible, and you're like, well, I see that the apostles gave up everything and they were martyred. So I guess I'm going to take my daughter and my wife and go be martyred too. And, you know, it doesn't matter if we're living on the streets. It doesn't matter because the apostles were homeless. You know, they're shipwrecked. They're beaten. They're stoned. So I guess if me and my wife are going to be shipwrecked and my daughter's going to be in danger, I guess that's honoring God. It's kind of dangerous, you know, uh, because... That's also where we get some of the people who they won't take their kids to the doctor because if I take my kid to the doctor, it means I don't have faith. So my kid's already healed. So I don't want to show un unbelief by going to the doctor and taking medicine and giving them surgeries because that's unbelief and the healing. So, you know, we, we have people going, you know, being tried for killing for like what I like, almost like murder, you know, because they didn't take their kids to the doctor and their kids died because they were having faith for God. They're honoring God by not taking their kids to the doctor. It's horrible, you know. It's like this, there's no guidance, you know. Some of the good, what, the good thing about Catholicism is there is guidance, you know. There is structure and guidance. Uh, I felt so much peace knowing that I, as a married man, I know that I've my vocation is to married married life. The home, my church, my home is the church. My home, that's my domestic church, and my job is to to love my wife and kids. That's my vocation. My my vocation is not to go to Africa and live homeless, you know. If I wasn't married, if I was single and a priest or a, a religious, then maybe so. Maybe I could do something extravagant. But you know what? I chose to get married. I chose to have a family. That is my calling to be a husband. You know, it gives me structure. Um, for the people like anyone listening, if you if you hear someone believing that 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 the belief, I don't take my kids to the doctor. I don't give them medicine because that shows unbelief. Man, um, let me let me get this here. Y'all are missing the Catholic Bible. In the book of Sirach, there's a whole chapter on doctors and pharmacists and medicine. And Protestants don't have that chapter in their Bible. And if they did, it would take care of that because it's like, I can look it up now, but it's a beautiful passage in Sirach where it's like, you know, yes, sometimes he, God heals, but, you know, sometimes God heals to the doctor. So give the doctor his due place because. The doc God works through the doctor as well. He'll tell the doctor what to do. He'll tell him what medicines to mix and what to do because God is guiding him too. So sometimes he says, yeah, go ahead and make your sacrifices, make your prayers, 
but then go to the doctor and let the doctor do what he has to do because sometimes God will use the doctor. And even he talks about the pharmacist and you know, there's a place for medicines because God will tell the pharmacist what to put together. And it's like if Protestants hadn't taken that chapter out of the Bible, it would have taken care of that whole issue of, oh, I don't go to the doctor. I don't go to the, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's another one of the heresies and problems we see. In, I've never you know, considered that or thought that before. That's good. That's a really good point. Also, yeah. they're missing out on the purgatory stuff too from Maccabees. They don't want no part of that. They threw that one out. But you're right. The very chapter they threw out would, would have saved a lot of lives. Mm -hmm. Because I know people that have died. They won't go to the doctor. They were healed. And, you know, logically, why would you go to a doctor if you believe you're healed? You know? Yeah. Whether, you know? Yeah. And also, if you, you don't want to displease God, you don't want to do something of unbelief that would be displeasing to God. Mm -hmm. you know, by going to the doctor. You ever heard of Mark? Said, heard of who? Mark Hankins. I have not. Okay, I don't mean anything personal by any names I bring up, but they're in the public sector preaching dog poop theology that's killing people, killing marriages, break. I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. And I know some of these people. Okay, I know some of these people. I've been around them. I've worked for them, met with them, been in their houses. And a lot of them truly believe what they're preaching. But they're in a, you know what an echo chamber is? You heard that oh, word? Yeah, yeah. They live in yeah. an echo chamber, man. Because mm -hmm. just like I won't listen to a Protestant at all. I'm not, you won't see John listen or watch anything Protestant ever. If it's on my TV, because I'm in another room and it came on when I was in the bathroom or something. I won't listen to any of them, okay? Yeah. Ever. Because it just takes a few drops of cyanide to kill you. And I just, I just been around it. So, okay, my wife Connie was a, a chemo nurse at City of Hope mm -hmm. in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Roberts Hospital. Mm -hmm. right. Do you know how many face celebrities she treated? <laughs> you would have never known they was eat up with cancer because they don't, you know, they preaching and making money saying they don't, you know, I'm healed in Jesus' name by his stripes, I'm healed. He forgives all my sins, he heals all my diseases, all the scriptures. Mark 11, 24, what things for every desire when you pray, believe, receive them, you shall have them. And they up there in the wheelchair, my wife says she's going down the hallway and sees a lady in a wheelchair. I was like, oh, my God. I walked up to her. I said, what's wrong? You know, loud enough for everybody on the wing to hear it because this is a very uh, prominent name and person. And the female just broke down crying and said, I've got cancer. And they cried together. And that lady, she kind of come out of it. You know, once you go through some stuff, you know, some really bad stuff, and you find out that the way you was preaching ain't doing you no good. Yeah, yeah. You repent. All right. Like, here's some of the word of God here. Sirach 30, it's chapter 38. Sirach 38. Concerning physicians, tradesmen, and craftsmen. 
Honor the physician with the honor due him according to your need of him. For the Lord created him. For, for healing comes from the Most High, and he will receive a gift from the king. The skill of the physician lifts up his head, and in the presence of great men he is admired. The Lord created medicines from the earth, and a sensible man will not despise them. Was not water made sweet with the tree in order that his power might be known? And he gave skill to men that he might be glorified in his marvelous works. By them he heals and takes away pain. The pharmacist makes of them a compound. His works will never be finished, and from him health is upon the face of the earth. My son, when you are sick, do not be negligent, but pray to the Lord and he will heal you. Give up your faults and direct your hands aright and cleanse your heart from all sin. Offer a sweet-smelling sacrifice and a memorial portion of fine flour, a fine oil of your offering as much as you can afford, and give the physician his place, for the Lord created him. Let him not leave you, for there is need of him. There is a time when success lies in the hands of physicians, for they too will pray to the Lord that he should grant them success in diagnosis and in healing for the sake of preserving life. <laughs> like there it is right there. Don't neglect the physician and medicine. <laughs> That's in the Bible. But Protestants don't have that in the Bible. <laughs> Man, bless your hearts. I don't even, don't even know. It's, they think we put stuff in the Bible is what they think. They don't realize yeah. they removed 3,189 yeah. Bible verses. I counted them. Okay? I mm -hmm. sat on my fat <laughs> butt one morning and counted every single one of them. Wow. And 3,100, I think it was 189, but I didn't count the extra scriptures that we have in Daniel. Yeah. And, and Esther. Because so, I wasn't sure. Esther, too. I think there's some in Esther. Yeah. But I was just, you know, I, I read Sirach and Words, is it Words of Wisdom? The Book of Wisdom? Book of Wisdom, yeah. Weird stuff in there I never heard in my life that made so much sense. You know how long it says you're supposed to grieve for your loved one? Take a wild guess. Uh, 40 days? I don't know. <laughs> Man, this is hard. It said to sob your heart out for three days and forget them. Oh, no. <laughs> it says that in the Catholic Bible. And I yeah. read it about two years ago, and I was like, that's probably the best thing. <laughs> Probably do to keep from hanging yourself or old in or being a drunk. Mm -hmm. grief is a hard, you know, grief. One of the bad things about grief is you don't want to let go of it because you think if you let go of the grief, you let go of that person, that yeah. memory. That's why the Japanese, they don't go through grief counseling. They're afraid they're going to forget their loved mm -hmm. one. So they mm -hmm. won't go through it, they, you know. But, you know, you think about if you, if you lose someone, I, I can't do this, but you think about it, if you just weep your because I was talking to a man today, and he told me his father had passed away a year and a half ago. He wrote 1.5 years ago, and he's been wrapped up in handling the estate. Mm -hmm. He said, I've not had the first chance to grieve my dad yet. He ain't even grieved yet. And I know people that it takes years for they, yeah, for they grieve, and, the, and that book was so right. It tells you exactly to sob and cry your eyes out mm -hmm. for this amount of days, and then 
all right, put you, you know, time to move on. David did it. King David yeah. did it. Do you remember what he said when his kid died? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's gone, so I'm getting up. They said he washed his face. And all the civil law says, I'm going to him, but right now I got to live. It mm-hmm. says that. Yeah, it's yeah. hard to do. Yeah, I listened to the show. I think you might have had more than one part, but uh, your podcast, uh, being Mad at God, when you're mad at God. Yeah, I was yeah. I was in my kitchen cooking and listening to your podcast, and I was like, man. Ain't nobody. Like, parts of it, I was tearing up. I was like, oh, man, John, she's gone, she gone through some stuff. And um, I think it was, it was, you know, you were being really honest, and um, I well, haven't people, had a li- uh, They're not going to admit it because they think they're blaspheming or people. Uh, fuss- I mean, I get, I've been fussed at millions of times for saying I've gotten, I've tore up a Bible before. Mm-hmm. Not recently, but uh, years ago, I got mad at God because I was going through some stuff. And I said, I'll tell you what I think about you and your book. And I grabbed yeah. a brand new Bible and I turned that thing into confetti and stomped on it. Yeah. And, you know, people say that you blaspheme that you're going to hell. Well, I'll see you in hell too because <laughs> I know you've been at God, mad at God. You may not have said you was mad at him, but you was mm-hmm. mad. When people don't get their prayers answered, mm-hmm. they uh, people get angry. They get they get. Uh, how's your wife act when you when you mess up? But she ain't never gonna forget it. <laughs> tell you they that they forgive you and everything. They, they'll remember that thing eight thousand years. <laughs> to live long enough, but I I couldn't help. I can't help. It. I get mad. You get mad at your wife ever? Sometimes, yeah. yeah. What about your daughter? You've been mad at her? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Jesus, when he said, my God, my God, why have you bailed on me? Do you think he whispered it in a loving tone? A lullaby? He was yelling up. He was mad. Yeah. Unless he was just re- reading a script. You know, he was abandoned. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I got mad at God. If he can't, yeah. if he can't forgive me, then... You ever you ever listen to Jordan Peterson? He's, a little um, bit, yeah. He a talks a lot bit. about a lot about the suffering and the cross and Him? like if you're if you're not going through something hard right now, just get ready because it's coming. You're gonna you're gonna face you know you're gonna face some hard stuff in this life. Life's gonna punch punch the wind out of you. And if you're not going through something hard right now, just wait, it's coming. And he's like, you know, it's you can let that make you. A, a worse person, or you can say, you know what? If you, if you let that bring you down and you stay down and you become bitter, then you're just going to add more suffering to yourself and to others. But if you embrace the suffering and say, like, I'm going to, you know, just I'm going to take the suffering and carry it, almost like carrying your cross, like you're going to make life a little bit easier for others. And I mean, it's also going to grow us in character, you know, but it's, um, he talks a lot about suffering. You know, he's, he's made statements like he he thinks Catholicism is the most true. The idea of a man carrying his cross up a hill when all society in the world is like maligning him and you know judging a, a, an innocent man guilty and betrayal and just friends leaving and abandoning you and you're carrying your cross up a hill. He's like that's like the, that's the picture of life. A man carrying a cross up a hill when the world is turned against him. And um, 
I don't know, it just that is like where we find um I don't know, that's what it meant where we become a man, where we become the best that we can be, is in that suffering, carrying our cross. That's that's like the most heroic thing we can do, I think. Um and it makes the world a better place for ourselves and for others, but it's it's a hard it's probably the hardest thing we'll ever do, but it's probably the most mature thing we can ever do too to is uh, carrying our cross, you know, when uh, we're betrayed, abandoned, those closest to us have left us, you know, and or you know, even like Job's wife, just curse God and die, and we're like, no, I'm gonna keep. I, I did that. Keep moving yeah. forward. <laughs> That's what you Girl, said. You, that is you didn't die. You're, you're still here. You're not dead yet. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't die. So. <laughs> You'll live another fifty years <laughs> of misery. Hey, do you still have your Bible there with you? I do. Yeah. Can you look up Colossians one twenty four? Yeah. Colossians. I agree with you, Joe Martin. I was reading a comment. I think it's Colossians one twenty four. It's a verse that does not exist in the Word of Faith Bible. It's just there's a gap. Yeah. Right. I got it here. Can you read it? Yeah. Colossians one twenty four. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, for in my flesh. I complete what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which we, I became a minister according to the divine office which is given to me for you. You know what I said the first time I heard that verse? Now, I, that? I read the Bible so many times, I got burned out on reading it every year. I finally quit after about some decades of reading it. And when I read that, when I heard that verse, as a Catholic, I never heard that verse in my life. And I heard that. And I said, what the hell is he saying that he's going to do what Jesus didn't get done? He said, whatever's yeah. lacking. Lacking. You're lacking. Yeah. And, and I called my brother, Terry. Hey, Terry. I said, man, read this verse and tell me what it means to you. And of course, you know, I guess he went to BibleNote.com and pulled up some theological spin job on it but i would like for you to kind of walk walk and, and when you got to go just go but could you kind of walk us through that again because i know people ain't never heard that scripture and preaching <laughs> you know man john um you have something that i haven't gone through you know you you have you're living it you're not perfect i'm not perfect we struggle we struggle with sin but you've been dealt uh suffering and loss that a lot of people have not yet they probably will eventually and there's reasons to want to give up there's reasons to want to quit but that's where our faith becomes the most real do we really believe this are we really going to hold on to christ on, on the cross the crucifixion and be with him in his suffering when his friends have left him Everyone's gone, losing everything on the cross, and so I, I, I you know, you're, I feel like you have a treasure, you have a place to speak from that I haven't earned the right to speak from. Oh, uh, you know, and there case, uh, yeah, you've probably done a whole bunch of suffering that uh, that ain't coming to mind right now, but uh, <laughs> but I can talk uh, about what I think it means, but. I just, but it's like I just I saw this scripture and it still blows my mind. I got to look it up here in the Queen James 
<laughs> I endorse in my suffering. You'll never hear Joel Osteen say that. <laughs> uh, I now rejoice in my sufferings. Suffer. That's yeah. the word you use when you got third degree burn. Suffer. You know? Yeah. For, for you. Now, what? He's suffering for you and fill up in my flesh <laughs> what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body. What the well, That's strong. Well, the thing is, like, John, it's like in this world, if any, anything good requires suffering, you know, living a life of just pleasure and fun and entertainment does not bring about good in this life. Uh, one of my favorite books is Brave New World, where people are basically children forever. Uh, you just fill them up with entertainment, sex, and drugs, and they never grow up and they never experience suffering. You just dope them up, give them a lot of sex and entertainment. They're just basically kids forever. They never experience suffering, and they're easy to control. Brave New World. But everything good in this life comes about through suffering because it's like love is demonstrated through suffering. Having a child, think about how much suffering the mother has to go through. Raising a child, feeding a child, waking up every night, take, you know, changing their diapers, that's hard work. You know, Raising a family, paying the bills, paying your taxes, that is hard work. Wouldn't it be easier just to sit on the couch and smoke pot and play video games all day? Yeah. But what's gonna, what good's going to come out of that? What, what, what good is going to come out for your kids, for your wife, for your family, for the next generation, for society? Who's going to build the roads? Who's going to keep the electricity on? Somebody has to get out there and suffer and make the world more bearable for others. <laughs> Somebody has to do it. You know, it's like everything good in life requires suffering. A healthy marriage is going to require denial and suffering, doing things that are not pleasurable and entertaining and fun, raising kids, being married, holding a job, uh, getting your degree, everything good in life is going to, that you, to make the world a better place is going to require hard work and suffering and per perseverance. It's not going to be just the easy road. Uh, you know, but, and I think it's, it's the most amazing suffering that the Christian symbol of Jesus on the cross in the midst of that horrible, agonizing sacrifice, so much blessing comes to us. That's the icon of the Christian faith is we're supposed to do that to the world. It's like, how do we, out of love, embrace and suffer for others out of love? Not just, you know, like Paul said, we don't just suffer for the sake of suffering. And there has to be love in it. You know, we have to like, what do I have? Because I love my family, because I love my wife, because I love my country, because I love my neighbor, what can I do to make the world a better place for them, more bearable for them? There, yes, we got to take care of ourselves too, but it's like, there's going to be some loss of sleep. There's going to be some tiredness. Like, you know, <laughs> like one of the reasons I became a nurse was because I was, uh, as a Catholic, I was arguing so much on Facebook, discussion boards, debates. And I'm like, you know what? Words, in some ways, words just suck. Arguing sucks. You know, talk is cheap. Talk is talk and talk. You know what? Let, I just thought, you know what? People can argue and tell me that I'm going to hell, that I'm a, a pagan Catholic. You know what? You know what? Screw that. I'm going to go and take care of the sick. I'm going to go and, and and wipe someone's butt when they have diarrhea and they're, they're pooping all over the place. And I'm going to go and stay up and and take care of the sick when I don't feel like it. 
you know, and yes, it's a job. I'm making money. I'm taking care of my family, making income. But, you know, as Catholics, as Christians, let's put our, you know, let's, let's live on, let's live what we preach. You know, they can argue theology, but when they see us pushing on, like in our, carrying our cross, bearing the suffering for the good of others, they can't argue with that. They can't argue with, you know what, this person keeps getting up, keeps doing, tr- trying to do what's right for their family, for their society. They're, they're showing love by what they're doing. And, you know, there's no argument. You can't, it's hard to argue with that because like discussion, theology and doctrines and scriptures, it's like, okay, we just spent you know, three hours arguing. We're mad at each other. That, that's why I get yeah. so mad at my, <laughs> oh, I call them rad, trad friends. All my friends are Latin mass people. Yeah. And, uh, but a lot of my friends are hung up on stuff that don't really matter. They're hung up on those whales, those altar whales. They're hung up on a veil on their head and hung up on their tongue or their palm, and they're missing the boat. You know, I mean, to me, those things help facilitate the main object, which is Jesus. And then you take the word mass means uh, to, to bless, right? To depart with the blessing. The whole purpose in the mass is to be in communion with Jesus in the Eucharist and then take what you got there to those patients you work for, you know, you work with. You know, and let me ask you something, isn't it great? You know what this is right here? This is the most offensive symbol in the world to Christians. This offends Christians. Mm-hmm. They get mad seeing Jesus crucified. He's not on the cross anymore. What hell? We know that. <laughs> you yeah. know, but the reminder of not only his sacrifice, but our part. Yeah. No, he's like, come on up here, boy. Get up here with yeah. me. That's right. Get up yeah. here with me. And they won't, you know, they get mad about the cross. Well, you know, the first thing I do is say, well, who told you that was Jesus on that cross? They automatically know it's Jesus. That it did its job right there. Because in the Roman world, thousands of people were crucified. They know who an empty cross meant nothing to anyone. Like an empty electric chair. See, an electric chair, it means nothing unless there's, unless Ted Bundy's sitting in it. You know, so what What do they call it, a stumbling block? Paul called this a stumbling block. And I know Christians that get so mad at the Catholic Church having a crucifix. And, and another thing I don't realize, you know, the empty crosses, I counted 66 the other day at the altar at Holy Rosary. They got a, a old school Latin. They got one of the big altars from. It's like the size of the Wizard of Oz. Mm-hmm. I mean, thing. Uh, a high be, altar. A high sitting, altar. A tall one. Yeah. But I was sitting there. I wasn't bored. But you know, you go Catholic church, man. There's so much to look at and pray about and smell and feel to experience. You just can't listen to the sermon, man. There's a lot of things up there. And I was sitting there and I got to looking at the crucifix. And then I got noticing the other crosses, just regular crosses. I counted 66 crosses. And I'm thinking, my gosh, 
it would take 66 Baptist churches. To, uh, you know, there's a crossword for half the Baptist churches in Birmingham on this one altar. But I just don't, I don't get the offense. I don't get it. Right. The anger. He's not on the cross anymore. It's, yeah. it's like they're saying, I don't have to suffer. He suffered for me. I'm, everything past, present, future is wiped away. And he bore the cross. I've heard that, man. He bore it. Wasn't he? Jesus paid it all. All to him. All. I had a, a, a guy uh, write me the other night. And he said that. He said, he said, don't you believe that uh, all of our sins were, well, how did he say it? He said it a certain way that sounded really religious and nice. But when you look at it, it, you know, it, 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 what, what is it called when Baptists and Presbyterians say Jesus paid the whole price? What's that called? They got a word for it. My mind is yeah. shot. Uh, the propitiation or uh, uh, the uh, I don't know, atonement. Uh, <laughs> I'll know. Three in the morning, I'll call you. I'll blow your phone. <laughs> Yeah, we want the blessing. We don't want the cross. We want the blessing of the cross, but not the cross. I told my friend, I said, if Jesus paid it all once and for all, right then, past, present, future, for you, for me, why we got to die for it? Well, that was a curse from sin. Whoa, 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 I was forgiven. That's been paid for. Yeah. Why do we have to work? Why do women have to have pain in child labor? I mean, just you know, if, you know, uh, J Jesus forgiving your sins doesn't mean you're not going to have hard times. I mean, most people in this world have a hard life. Have you been abroad, overseas? Mexico, Canada, not overseas. It's Mexico and Canada. Go, uh, go, go walk around Tanzania for a couple of days and go. Yeah, most of the world, most of the world is suffering. The majority of people are suffering. See, you see some man, my phone's blowing up with these comments. I can't read them. But you see that, um, you know, we've seen people that, that, that their whole house is an umbrella. That was their house. They got to use That's, Yeah, we got to be careful. What's sad is that many of the blessings we have as Americans is we're relying on them being poor. We're relying on their cheap labor. If they weren't poor, we couldn't enjoy the luxuries we have. And, and it's kind of like a woe to us, woe to us as Americans of the riches we enjoy for those uh, sweatshops, those laborers and, you know, working there on the, making our iPhones, making our MacBooks and making our Nikes and our Adidas and our T-shirts. Hmm? Or medicine. Let's go test it out on Nigeria. Yeah. If it only kills 60% of them, we'll approve it. <laughs> turn it into some kind of medicine here. I mean, there's a lot of people in, in Africa that have suffered for our benefit. Mm -hmm. You know, the medicines and the, the diamonds. You know, that place is loaded with diamonds. They got yeah. it. Come here. Yep. Like, who made my t-shirt? Who made my jeans? Who made my shoes? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> my watch. But it's like LeBron James is always... Oh, Busting about that stuff, man, and his all that stuff, those shoes and all, they don't make those in Beverly Hills and sweatshops in Indonesia yeah. and places where people get paid a dollar a week. Yeah. 
I think about when I when I watch the Hunger Games, you know, I, I think about we are the capital city. And yes, it could be you could say, well, it's the one the top one percent of the Americans, but so many of us are like we act like the capital city. We're just indulging in food and entertainment and fashion and makeup and just we're indulging in so much where people are just trying to get a bowl of rice. You know, so much of the world is still struggling struggling to get a bowl of rice. Yeah, we and a lot of stuff we have because of our fathers. You know, yeah. they built this stuff, and we we was born born on home plate. I was thinking today, while I was washing the dishes, that I won the lottery when God decided I should be born and raised in the United States of America. I automatically was born sliding in the home base, and yeah. I didn't do any of that. I didn't. I didn't pave the way for this stuff, and you know I can't take credit for it. And, we're, and you know, how much do I? We're, we're blessed, but we're cursed. You know, it was like I think it was like Mother Teresa who would warn us that she she said that she saw more poverty in the United States than other parts of the world. We have it worse here. It's in the spiritual sense, right? We're um, that we are born in a very troubling place for the spiritual world. The United States is very poor spiritually. We're very much in danger here spiritually. More so than if we had been born in a struggling place. Uh, uh, spiritually, we're very impoverished in our country. And she actually uh, was more worried about us in the United States and other poor places. So we are, we are blessed materially, definitely. But yeah, we're more we're very, we're very uh, disadvantaged spiritually. Yeah, kid, are you you're a traveling nurse, right? Yes. Are you ever going to get up around Alabama? Yeah, yeah, we passed through there. Yeah. I've stayed in Leeds before. I visited EWTN and yeah. dri- driven through there. Stayed in Birmingham and yeah. Next Beautiful. time I'm going to take you to a place two miles from my butt is sitting right now. Yeah. That is as bad as anything I've seen in a third world country. Almost, almost as bad, almost as bad as Africa. Mm-hmm. There, there, there is a place you can Google it. It's called Lands End. That's the name mm-hmm. of the road. Police won't go there. Fire department, they ain't going. <laughs> you know, it's. I, yeah. I've, been, I've taken a few people up there. It's two miles from my house. I'm scared to go there. I'm not scared of defending myself. I'm scared of offending those people by driving through there to see their living conditions, man. Just like the, it's like freaking Nigeria, man. Yeah. Right here yeah. in America. Well, now, now there's so much homeless. The homeless population is growing so much. Even in California, the cities you drive through, just tent cities, people living in tents for blocks, you know, under bridges and just whole just neighborhoods of tents, uh, people living on the streets. That's growing here. There's definitely a lot of poverty growing in, around us now. You been downtown Atlanta lately? No. You drive down I-20, which is right there. I-20 to Atlanta is right there. Yeah. Get into downtown. Hey. You get down into the door just slammed. I think I'm in trouble. But you get down <laughs> and all the medians are, is a tent city. Yeah. It's not in a rich city. And, and you've yeah, been yeah. in D.C. Where? Washington, D.C. You'd be yeah. one block from Joe Baby Killer Biden's house. One mm-hmm. block from his house, there's homeless people living in boxes next to the White House. Yeah. There's a there's a hospital in Sacramento, Sutter Sutter Hospital in Sacramento, uh, that starting a, starting a very cool thing for nurses. Uh, 
I'm not sure if other hospitals are doing it, but they're doing something called street nurses in Sacramento. And it's, it's such a cool idea. I'd like to learn more about it myself. Um, but it's basically nurses who go dress up in their, I don't know if they wear scrubs or jeans or what, but they take their backpacks full of their supplies and they just go meet the homeless on the street, you know, test their sugar, bandage up their wounds, wash their wounds, and just check on them on the street. And yeah, if they're like something critical, you got to go to the emergency room, you know, but it just, it just seems like a very uh, interesting possibility for nurses is, you know, leave the hospital and actually go to the streets. So it's, it's sad that we have to, that we have so much of a homeless population right now growing in America, but it's, it seems like that could be a really promising future for nurses if they start, uh, you know, taking their backpacks and going out to the streets. Kind of, it could be dangerous, but I think it could be very fulfilling, a very, uh, a very needed place for nurses right now. Uh, yeah, Sutter, so Sutter, Sutter in Sacramento is doing that called street nursing. You can you can be homeless practically in two weeks' time right now. Yeah, you have something come up and much. wipes yeah. you out, and you got to go running everywhere to your family for it can happen like that. I've I've been through it mm-hmm. three times. Where you have yeah. plenty of money, and you think you're you know I I've made it, and next thing you know. You, you call in somebody, you have $20 I can borrow till Friday. <laughs> I'm broke. I mean, you, go to, you have to go to the hospital for a little while and you can't work for a month. You're, you could be homeless right there. Just get sick you, for a week. Yeah. I'm going to let you go, man. I, you look like you're about to fall over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joining. Right. Yeah, I'm here in, uh, I'm in Yuma, Yuma, Arizona right now. It's about 101 out here. I came outside just to sit outside just to, so because my, my wife and kids are inside. I figured my dogs would be too noisy, so I came outside. But That's I, enjoyed, I enjoyed talking with you. Um, definitely um, a lot. I'm very uh, glad to be Catholic, and I'm sure you are too. And yes, there's you know sinners everywhere, and but you know whether you're Catholic or Protestant or atheist, there's sinners everywhere. You can't get away from sinners. You're right. And, um, and the best place to get rid of sinners is in here. You know, each of us has enough sin to deal with in our own lives, in our own self. You know, we shouldn't try to be fixing everyone else. We've got enough to fix in ourselves. Um, but uh, very glad to be Catholic. And may want, we can talk more about, the, you know, why we're Catholic and our, uh, our journeys of how we got here. And uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a great topic. I, I love, I know, um, I know we, we probably have to get going, but. I know the, the, the found the, our country America is very was very anti-Catholic history, very suspicious of Catholics um, in our history here in America. Even the the Triple K group, you know, was very anti-Catholic, not only against uh, African Americans and Jews, but also Catholics. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a whole topic there. But so now you know how like how crazy our, our modern world has gotten where we don't know who's a who's a guy, who's a girl, which restrooms to use, everything's relativism, we can create our own realities. And uh, I I kinda maybe I'm overstepping here, but I kinda trace that back to the Protestant Reformation, the idea that truth is for the individual to decide for themselves. You know, it's up to you to decide what your truth is. And it, whatever your truth is, go start your religion, go start your church, go start your group. And uh, so the, the Reformation kind of started splintering truth, that truth is what you decide truth is. So if you want to be Lutheran or Anglican or Calvinist, then that's your truth. And it was just a matter of time before truth left the scriptures and became more of a personal truth to agnosticism and atheism. 
but it's it's the foundation of there that truth is what you decide truth is. There is no external objective truth, and this gets now is kind of running rampant, kind of running rampant everywhere. Just see just people deciding what their own truth is, even to the extreme, the extremes manifesting our realities. Living my truth. I living love truth. her truth. <laughs> it ain't my truth. There's only one truth. Yeah, and then like Christianity, Christendom is so much stronger when it's one, you know, united. You know, there's so much. Um, I was surprised. You know, America's got such a, a Masonic history too, with like George Washington being a Mason, and every every town. I don't know if it's other states, but in Texas, every single town you visit in Texas has a sign that says, "The Lodge welcomes you." The Lodge welcomes you. The Lodge welcomes you. I didn't know this, but the Catholic Church. The, there's been like 12 edicts from popes saying that Catholics cannot be Masons. And there's like this, this almost this, and we don't discuss it much in America because there's such a Masonic history here, but the, the, the French revolution, you know, overthrowing the church in France, there was like a, a Masonic undertone in overthrowing the Catholic church. The Cristero wars in Mexico with president Calles was a huge Masonic influence there. But just the discussion of like the Reformation and the movement to divide the power of the Catholic Church so that secularism could come over and invade, you know, this, um, these are just big ideas I maybe we could discuss in the future. But you have to, in order for like this, um, the secular world, you know, this, whatever you call it, the Antichrist system to take over, you have to break the power of the Catholic Church. It was, the Catholic Church was so powerful. You have, in, in, you, you, you break the power of the Catholic Church by causing confusion, division, so that it's easy to trample over, so that something else can move in. And I think, I don't know, I just think it's a very demonic, secular system to like try to divide Christianity, uh, divide truth, so that this, um, this, this kind of weird global government antichrist system can come in where it's like, you know what, no religion is true, everyone has their own personal truth, everything is true, nothing is true. We're all just going to get along as brothers and sisters, realizing that truth is whatever we want it to be. And we're all just this happy global family with no truth, no governments. No, you're just one big system of love and brotherhood, but without, you know, with no truth, no Jesus being the way, the truth and the life. No, you know, just, I don't know, just this weird stuff I can get into, but, yeah. uh, you know, but it's people- just... <laughs> You heard a few research, the ones that told the big old lie that Catholics don't believe in the real presence. Is that a lie? I don't know. Tell me. <laughs> Was that a lie? That it's the biggest lie the Catholic Church ever believed in years. It's a damn lie. It's total what? hogwash. It's, it's, tell me because I, I, I thought it was true. What do you, what do you, uh, I hear. Okay. You yeah. mean, first thing you got to do is find out, you got to find out who these people are that took that took the pole, okay? Yeah. Not who they are when you walk in the front. Go, go, they're one world religion in union with one world government. These are not good people, Yeah. okay? The Pew Research people is one world government. <laughs> they want the government and, and all religions to be buddies. They do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All the way up. And can you imagine... Can you imagine a pollster walking up to some dude at Walmart, a, the guy at the door, and say, 
what do Catholics believe about transubstantiation? How do you even say the word transubstantiation? I can't even say it. <laughs> Transubstantiation. Do you think dude is going to recognize the answer with the multiple choices of theological wording? He don't even know what the words mean? The que- You know Father Mitch Pacwa? Yeah, yeah. It, he said the wording was so complicated, most, a lot of priests would have said no, thinking they were saying yes. It's yeah. Catholics believe in the, in the real presence, and they may not respect it like our great-great-great-grandfathers did, the ones that would only take communion once a year because they were scared to death. They'd never miss Mass. they take communion at Easter. That was it. It was so holy. Now, we've, you know, become a little familiar. But, uh, man, I ain't never met a Catholic in my life that don't believe that ain't Jesus. And we're going to believe them and destroy our own church and beat up our own church, criticize and beat up the church because some one-world government people said they went to it. Did they go come and ask you at your church? No. They didn't go to nowhere. What they do show up at the cathedral at St. Patrick's? Uh, we would like to take a survey. How many of y'all believe that the sacrament is really Jesus? Raise your hand. Oh, only 25 of you? Yeah. And everybody's running with it. Priests, all these apologists. We don't believe in the real present. <laughs> but no, now, we don't. So now we're doing some kind of Eucharistic revival with you know, some... I'm all a for focus it. of the church, yeah. Trying to get more focus on the Eucharist. I'm all uh, for it. Brother, I got to go. My wife's in all right. there. All right. <laughs> Brother, tell, I will call tell, you. Tell her, tell her I said hi. Uh, I heard she was starting a podcast, something about spaghetti or something. I'll let but you know. <laughs> all right. Yeah, well, thanks, for, thanks for your time. Love you. All right. Love you too. Thanks. Enjoyed it.